All right, good morning or good afternoon, everybody. Today is Monday, May 31st, 2021. And let me just say that before getting to the news, um, I want to thank everybody for the, the warm welcome back. I really do appreciate it. And on top of that, please do keep in mind tomorrow is June 1st. Now, what do I mean by June 1st? Well, and also to my American friends, if I'm not mistaken, happy Memorial Day as well. Uh, June 1st is the day that the Pentagon is supposed to uh, submit their UFO report and everything they have on UFOs to Senator Marco Rubio and his um, UAP or UFO task force, if you will. Now, do I have any expectations? Absolutely not. Absolutely none whatsoever. With that being said, look, maybe we might be surprised. Maybe we might not, but we'll see what happens. Anyways, uh, let's jump into it. So first off, uh, China has announced a plan to boost its birth rate. So now the news of the day, and this kind of just goes to show you how much you know news is not really happening today for this to be the headline in a lot of news outlets like Al Jazeera, BBC, all that stuff. But uh, China has announced a plan to, to boost its birth rate because before, I think the limit was one child per family or something like this. They're now allowing three children per family. Now, again, I don't know the specifics. I've never lived in China never lived in Hong Kong. I have friends that have, but again, I have not asked them leading up to this recording what it's really like there and things like that. My understanding, it's pretty damn strict. So the fact that they're doing this just goes to show that they they want to reverse this trend. They want more people populated within the country, I guess. I mean, there's so many different angles to this for many different reasons, good and bad, but more so good for, again, for whether it's for labor, for intelligence reasons, for all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, three kids per family is allowed now. So, I mean, I guess uh, that's great for families that want to have more than one child, right? The next thing is that a California restaurant slash cafe owner now charges people who go into the cafe that wear masks uh, $5 extra if you wear a mask. Again, this is the interesting thing. There's some businesses that are doing the opposite. If you don't wear a mask, you get charged an extra $5, 10 $15 or you know, 10 20% on top of the retail price as sort of a way of saying, hey, put your mask on. Other, other uh, outlets are doing the opposite of saying, if you come in with a mask, hey, we're going to make uh, charge you more just because we don't agree with that. If they're a private business, from my understanding, again, I'm not a lawyer, but if they're a private business, they could technically do what they want in either direction, if you will. Now, I think there is a limit in terms of, you know, federal regulation or state regulation with regards to if you're forcing someone to do this or that. But look, if they're on your property and they want to remain on your property or in your store, if you will, I guess, I mean, I guess they have a right. I, I would imagine, right? Unless there's something that is constitutionally, uh, blocking this, but I have yet to see anything uh, spoken out about that. So again, if they have the right, then so be it. Uh, the next thing is that, by the way, we're going to be doing all, you know, we're going to be covering things all around the world, but there is a GOP bill, a Republican bill that is attempting to ban Black Lives Matter and LGBTQ flags at United States embassies around the world. I, look, I, I didn't look into this extensively. The, the Republicans have many different reasons for this. Some of them are saying, you know, we don't want to show weakness and things like that. I would be careful with, with that whole concept and with, with the using the word weakness, because I will tell you, um, I have some friends that are in fact gay. Uh, like I said, like I've said in the past, you would never think they're gay. I mean, you speak to them, uh, they don't really, you know, they're not flamboyant about it, what have you, and to each their own, but you'd never think they're gay. And some of them are in the military and some of the, I'm not kidding. Some of the toughest people I know, again, the whole thing of LGBTQ and BL black lives matter flags at us embassies. I, 
in terms of my personal opinion, I don't know. I don't yet know where I stand on that. I want to read more into the bill to find out. Now, for those that are saying, Dave, you know, that's a cop out answer. I will follow up on this. I promise. With that being said, though, at the same time, I do. I think it's 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 appropriate. I mean, it, it's their country. They could do what they want at their embassy, I guess. Right. I honestly, I think there's more important things to worry about whether the flag, those flags are up or, or, or not um, for the Republicans saying that this demonstrates weakness. I can see to an extent what they're saying in the sense of like, you know, the military traditionally has always been mainly males and, you know, tough, strong males. And to, sh to say that, you know, gays and, and LGBTQ uh, people within that community coming into the military are not tough. That's that's quite controversial because there's a strong argument that could be made for men, women, trans people to be in the, uh, to be in the military, you know, doing certain things. Like recently there was a whole thing about a pregnant woman, uh, being in the military. Would pregnant woman be able to serve in the military on the field? Absolutely not. That's just the way it is. We can't sugarcoat that whatsoever. No, we can't, whether that's disrespectful to pregnant woman, I'm, I'm sorry, but to be in a battlefield, I don't even think the pregnant woman themselves would want to be on the battlefield. But you know, if, if they're cognitively okay to function, then I mean, they could maybe do uh, manning some drones. They could, you know, certain things like this. I mean, it, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. Someone even, uh, I will admit a friend of mine earlier today said to me, Dave, you know, you sure you want to cover this because it's going to get controversial even amongst your audience. I, I don't care. I don't care because we need to have we need to cover these things, right? Whether or not you think the BLM or LGBTQ flag should be put up at the embassies or not. It, that's your own opinion. It's not for me to say, right? My humble opinion, I think there's way more important things. I don't think Russia or China is going to look at a U.S. embassy and say, hey, they got a BLM flag up. So, you know, I, what it comes down to is what really happens on the back end of the intelligence angle. Now, again, as I just said recently about, you know, uh, certain people have this traditional view of, you know, you're not strong and this and that. If you have gay people or trans people in the military, it's controversial. It's true. I mean, I, and my opinion is just one amongst many, but it is true uh, that it is controversial and that might turn some people off, but we have to call things like they are, right? So that's one side of it. The other side of it, like I just said is, well, okay, you know, maybe we can get a pregnant woman to operate, to uh, uh, operate drones from a, a particular base where they're safe, uh, where they're individually safe, right? So there, there's a lot of angles to this, right? It's not even about being gay or anything like that. It's just a matter of, are you able to perform as well as the, the the traditional, uh, I guess you could say expectation of a soldier, if you will, man or woman. I mean, let, let's face it. Sorry for going on about this folks. I just find it really intriguing. This topic. Um, look at, look at Israel, the IDF, the Israeli defense force. From my understanding, there's women in the military and they're pretty damn tough. You know what I mean? So why that would be any different, say from a trans person, it, it's hard. I, I don't see why it would be now. Again, there's, there's much more to that. I'm not just, I'm not trying to make it seem as black and white as that, but, uh, moving on. I, by the way, I hope in the past couple minutes, I've covered all the angles of all the perspectives. Uh, the next thing is that Egypt's intelligence chiefs are holding talks with Hamas in the Gaza strip. I don't know. Maybe you guys could tell me. I don't know how strong Egypt's intelligence is, if they have any particular, uh, you know, advantages within the, the Gaza Strip just because of the geographical location of where Egypt is situated and the Egyptian government and things like that. I mean, it's interesting. From my understanding, uh, when everyone was going back and forth in the Middle East about who wanted the Gaza Strip, I believe, if, if, if I'm not mistaken, many years ago, Israel offered it to Egypt, I think it was, and Egypt didn't even didn't want it, things like that. So it's interesting to see. I mean, Hamas, has a strong control over the Gaza Strip. It isn't uh, argu very arguably uh, in a strong way an open air prison, if you will. But 
I mean, let's see what happens if these intelligence chiefs can actually make some progress or not. Um, maybe it might just be a story to put up there just to say something's happening, but we'll never find out the actual conclusion because, again, it's in the name, intelligence chiefs. You think the chiefs are going to come out and say everything they did in an honest way, you know, to the press? No. Uh, the next thing is that Turkey's Erdogan and Greece's... Mitsotakis, excuse me for pronouncing that incorrectly if I did, are planning to meet at a NATO summit. Now, again, I don't know the, the, the extensively the tension between Greece and Turkey, but believe me, as I'm sure many of you know, it's there. The fact that they're meeting, look, it shows progress. It shows progress. Now, let's think of the intelligence angle. Are they meeting with each other to just play a chess game, if you will? Sort of like uh, Sherlock Holmes and, and Professor Moriarty in the Robert Downey Jr. movie? You know what I mean? Are they just trying to meet face-to-face -face just to, you know, sort some things out and go back to being tense with one another uh, in terms of, you know, internationally? It's hard to say, but it, it'll be assuming we get the full grasp of this meeting, which we probably won't, honestly. But, I mean, let's see what happens, right? Uh, the next thing is that the WHO chief... Uh, it supports a pandemic treaty to prevent future outbreaks from occurring. Okay, the first thing I saw when I read this, folks, was this reminded me very strongly of the Iran nuclear deal. And you might be saying, Dave, what what do you mean by that? Well, okay, the... So the Iran nuclear deal, very arguably, I mean, they had United Nations officials who could go in there and inspect the, the enrichment of the uranium in Iran, things like that. And, you know, that was the whole thing behind that. And you might be saying, Dave, what does that have to do with the United Nations? Well, sorry, with the uh, with the WHO chief backing a, a pandemic uh, treaty, if you will. Well, I see this pandemic treaty as something very similar to the Iran nuclear deal, where it's kind of like, oh, you know, uh, we're going to sign these documents, everything's going to look nice, all these countries are going to oversee it, it's going to be great. But you don't think they're still going to do it on the back end? And when when I say do it, I mean experiment with, you know, viruses and gain of function and biological bioweapons. Of course, they're still going to do it. So is this treaty really, really going to do anything? It might just be for fancy looks on the front end. Seriously, that I mean, it's sort of like Iran. They signed the deal, but you don't think Iran was secretly, secretly still enriching uranium? I mean, in my humble opinion, of course they were. They're not dumb. Of course they had United Nations officials and um, from many different countries to come inspect, but maybe they had another base elsewhere, underground, that the CIA was uh, that knows about, but the public doesn't. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's it's the same concept. I just... I don't, I don't believe that anything strictening on, on, uh, on the front end of things will change anything on the back end because the back end is really where things happen, right? The next thing is that Russia told the U.S. to, and I quote, expect uncomfortable signals, and end quote, ahead of the, uh, of the summit coming up. Well, look, it's uh, the summit with, with, uh, with Biden. I'm interested to see what's going to happen here, and I'll tell you why. Biden seems to be relying very heavily on his team in every area. And let's face it, I'm not trying to put him down, but you look at the Biden of today compared to Biden of 10 years ago, he's not the same. And if they used to call him, you know, uh, what was it, Blue Collar Joe or something like that uh, years ago because he wasn't the sharpest guy out there, uh, now he's not that sharp at all. I mean, for example, I know this is a bit controversial and it might be biased, but the former CEO of Roger Ailes, who now, uh, former CEO of Fox News, Roger Ailes, excuse me, who's now dead, said to, uh, what was his name? Oh, geez, I forgot his name. But anyways, Obama's former, uh, David Axelrod, there we go, said to David Axelrod many years ago, uh, and I quote, I like Joe, but he's as dumb as an ashtray. And that's Roger Ailes, a guy who was a heavy Republican, heavy, heavy, pro-war Republican, arguably. 
That was a pro-Republican who said, I like this Democrat, but he's as dumb as an ashtray. And I believe this was in 2007 or 8. And that's when Biden was arguably, you know, very, well, definitely a lot sharper than he is now. So the reason why I bring this up is because I don't think Biden can handle a one-on-one strategic conversation or dialogue with President Putin, um, <clears throat> with Putin at a, at a one-on-one face-to-face meeting. I really don't. I, doesn't matter Republican or Democrat. Even if Biden was a Republican, I would say the same thing. It's not even about party anymore. It's about a matter of can he handle it? He won't have his team. I mean, presumably he won't have his team in that room when he meets with Biden one on one. Right. I mean, will they prepare him for things? Yes. But if Putin throws a curveball, he might just say something like, oh, I got to get back to you on that or something like that, because he's going to have to consult with his team. The point I'm trying to make is that I personally believe a leader of a country should not it doesn't they don't necessarily have to know everything don't get me wrong but they should be well versed enough to think independently without having a team of advisors there with them all the time it, this is just my opinion i believe a leader needs a team of, of advisors always but a leader also needs to be able to think for themselves in certain times when the advisors can only do so much for them to a certain extent so again I, that's just my personal opinion i could be wrong but this is how i see it i don't see biden being sharp uh, in this meeting so Uh, The next thing is that the U.S. used a partnership with Danish intelligence uh, to spy on top European officials, including the German Chancellor Angela Merkel. They're spying on each other. This is what I'm saying, man. This is what I'm talking about. They make all these fancy treaties and, excuse me, these fancy treaties and all these alliances, and they still spy on each other. And that's fine. But what I'm trying to say is this. To the people that always listen to just the mainstream media, and I know most of you don't, but... <clears throat> excuse me the to the people who just say oh you know that's it, that's just the way it is the way that the post reported it or the times or cnn or msnbc that's just the way it is simple as that no it, it it's not it really isn't and we see that being very evident in this particular case here why were they spying on angela merkel and other top european officials but we'll never find out why right All we need to know is that this is a, in my humble opinion, folks, this is a dead end kind of thing, meaning that there's no point in following the story because we're never going to get the truth ever unless we infiltrate CIA headquarters and find the information for ourselves, right? So ultimately, I think what we should take from this is that they're always spying on each other, always, 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 no matter what. And it's unfortunate, but you would need such a radical revamp of humanity in and of itself for me to even slightly consider that other nations are not spying on each other. And at least for now, that doesn't seem like it's going to happen. So, um, and the other thing too, I want to mention is the fact that these intelligence stories are coming out to on BBC and, and different, you know, global and international and national outlets just goes to show a couple things that either the media, the mainstream media is realizing or the intelligence um, apparatuses and factions pulling the strings of the mainstream media are realizing holy shit people are waking up now so we have to present more stories that seem more sophisticated because a story like this in my humble opinion would not have ran 20 30 40 years ago in a in a, in a newspaper local or international newspaper newspaper so or, or national um either that i mean could be a little bit of drop feeding i'm not saying they're telling us the truth i'm saying the stories seem to be getting a little more complex because they're realizing that the, that the masses are picking up right now could this be part of the overall plan very, very possible. I mean, it's hard to say, but anyways, the next thing is that uh, top bankers in Hong Kong are exempt from quarantine. I mean, look, it's the CCP. They're going to prioritize their top people, whether it's unfair or not. That's just, that's the way shit goes. And it's unfortunate, but it's true, right? 
the next thing is that Nike and Neymar, the soccer player or the football player, uh, are, have now split or parted ways, if you will, with sponsorships and what have and partnerships uh, after a sexual assault probe into the soccer player. Well, again, this is the thing. And I've said this many times. I'll say it one more time very quickly. For the people who have actually assaulted women, you you deserve to be very much punished, put in jail, especially if it was rape or something like that. Now, for now, on the other hand, and I say this to men, on because most of the time it's men. But on the other hand, for the woman that make up stories to make the these public figures look bad, male or female, this is the problem. One bad apple ruins it for the ones that are actually trying to really get justice in a rightful way, right? So, you know. This is this is the problem. So we'll see what happens. I don't know who's investigating the Neymar, uh, Neymar case, but we'll see. Uh, the next thing is that Nigerian gunmen abducted a handful of students from an Islamic school in Nigeria, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, this is... It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. Whether it doesn't matter what religion you're from or what, it's unfortunate. Again, the only people that suffer in this case are the innocent people. Because what's going to happen is, assumingly, uh, uh, unless the place is overrun by militias and what have you in that part of Nigeria, you're going to have certain officials, if you will, try to negotiate with these gunmen um, or with these militia. Again, the only people that suffer are the kids. We can go back and forth about what's right or wrong, but kidnapping in any way is never right or wrong. I know it's sometimes morally and ethically not that easy when there's an intelligence operation, but this is not an intelligence operation. This is... uh, this is not right whatsoever. Uh, the next thing is that there are there were scuffles and death threats, physical scuffles, um, that are creating issues at the Pan-African Parliamentary Election, uh, which is being held currently and being reported on live from multiple outlets uh, for future MPs to be elected again in the Pan-African Parliamentary um, uh, Parliament, if you will. Some uh, officials... Uh, that were there were made some death threats. Others made death threats back, responding, saying I was only defending myself and accusing someone else of you know threatening them first. And this is the problem. It doesn't matter where you're from, what country, what culture, what religion. It's the ego and the pride that gets in the way. And I'm not trying to sound like a you know like a, a preacher or someone like a corny cheesy person. I will admit to myself, it's very difficult if someone if I'm going for a walk on the you know down the street and someone pushes me. It's difficult for me to just go, ah, whatever, right? I'd rather turn around and and say, you know, what the hell's your problem? But again, these are politicians that are supposed to be setting the example. And this doesn't just happen in Africa, by the way. This happens all over the world. Now, some countries more than others resort to violence quickly. Yes, I mean, you know, certain parliaments, if you see when they have, I'm not going to name any countries, but when certain parliaments have debates, you ever see the way these politicians, some of them get physical or the way they yell and slam tables? I mean, sometimes that's just in their culture and their nature right? I mean, I'm Italian. I, I, I have a family that's very loud. I mean, the, the whole Italians are loud stereotype, at least with my family, it's accurate, but it's, it's the same idea, right? Uh, the, the final thing is that Australia is shutting their embassy down in Afghanistan due to increasing security issues in the, in the, excuse me, in the environment. You know, I was saying this to, to a friend the other day. I can't help but think that becoming an elected official in any part of the world now in politics you have to worry about your physical safety. I mean, you always did. Don't get me wrong. But at the time, I mean, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was just concern for high level officials. The lower level politicians could could go home, could go out and watch a movie with their families uh, without being bombarded or protested outside their home. Right. Nowadays, you're a local representative and it's like, holy crap, someone's like t- taking a shot at your house. I, I mean, 
it's um, it's not justified at all but it just goes to show it's a combination of people being fed up and people getting crazier right uh, po the politicians are not doing what the, the people voted them in to do um but at the same time i don't think you should have you know beat someone up or threat give someone death threats or shoot someone's house up because they're not doing what you voted for them to do um i can understand the anger but i can i cannot condone the violence i mean i cannot uh i cannot say that the violence is justified by any means i can i can relate to the anger though but again this is also a tough moral issue i don't have the answer to it but here's the other thing too when people say or when officials say well if you don't like what we're doing and i'm talking about all around the world when politicians say well if you don't like what we what we we are doing excuse me you should go out and protest what about the people that are out there protesting for days and weeks on end and still nothing changes they feel the need to resort to violence because they have no other choice and again i'm not trying to justify or make an excuse for the ones that are being violent but do you see the dilemma here folks this is the problem this is the problem. How else are you going to get the message across? And that is the mentality. What I just said right there is the mentality of the way these people think. Imagine protesting for weeks or months, every single day for hours a day with thousands and thousands of other people to have something changed. And it doesn't. That your next thought instinctively, doesn't mean it's right, but your next thought instinctively is, well, we got to physically, literally physically remove them from their office so we can put someone in. It, it creates a whole, like the system collapse. It, it, it's a problem. It's a problem. There's no way that violence is ever the solution. But again, if these politicians are not willing to listen, the, the, the people get more and more pissed. And what options do you leave them? And again, it's you see what I'm saying here? It, it's a it's a tit for tat kind of thing. So I'd like all of you to uh, let me know what you think in the comments as usual if you're on YouTube. And we will catch all of you later today for a fantastic public episode. Another members episode for those on Patreon. And then, of course, we'll see all of you tomorrow as well. Cheers.